What's going on, FA Nation? Dan Malin here. Uh, special guest this week, but as always, I'm joined by Matt Sells, the FSWA two-time NASCAR Writer of the Year. And this week, we're joined by Fantasy Alarm's own Edward Rouse. Matt, Edward, how are you guys doing? We'll start with Edward, since he's the guest. <laughs> I'm doing great, guys. It's good to be on. I've been listening to you guys. I this pandemic, this everything has really got me into NASCAR, and I wasn't a fan too much in, until now, and I love it so much. I listen to the podcast every week, of course, as I'm a part of Fantasy Alarm, and uh, I'm really excited to be here. Well, it's great to have you, and uh, yeah, I, I thought it would be a fun week to get you on because the playoffs start this week, so there's slightly different DFS stuff to worry about with the playoffs, and uh, I know how much uh, you've been liking it because you hit me up every every weekend on <laughs> on our slack channel maybe too <laughs> much i'm sorry <laughs> with, uh, what about these lineups and then I'll, I'll desperately try to tell you not to play ryan blaney and then you Never play ryan blaney anyway <laughs> um so yeah so it's it's good to have you on uh you know always good to change it up a little bit get a different uh voice different set of questions going on so um but me personally i'm excited because we get uh, darlington again one of my favorite tracks um and it's the start of the playoffs. It's the Southern 500, Darlington under the lights. Going to be a fun time. Yeah, so uh, we wrapped up the regular season. Hard to believe that we had a two-month layoff and we just flew through the rest of the regular season. And yet now we've, we've somehow arrived at the playoffs. Uh, NASCAR started and ended its season with Daytona. William Byron got his first career win. And, and, it, and it sucks because I'm the kind of person that would like to see somebody else in the 24 car. I know I, I, I might be running a little bit sour on William Byron, but at the same time, it's just like yeah, he wanted a super speedway. Anybody can win at a super speedway. And, and so he gets his first win. He locks up his spot in the playoffs. Good for him. He's still very young. And, and Hendrick Motorsports goes out and they lock him up for two more years. And I just kind of roll my eyes at that because how do you lock up Alex Bowman for just one more year, but you give William Byron two more years in the 24 car? Um, you know, that, that's a pretty reasonable question. Um, I think it probably has to do with sponsorship. I think Byron probably brings a little bit more sponsorship than Bowman does from reports that we're hearing. But I'll agree with you. I mean, Bowman has been consistently good, and then obviously he had that dominating win at Auto Club earlier this year, which is a far better judge of talent, I believe, than winning at Daytona, which everybody knew was going to be a wild card race. Which, by the way, I have to say, that was a phenomenal race at Daytona. It was a good race. It was very interesting. For those that tune in to just watch crashes at Daytona, you had a little (laughs) bit of that. But, like, you also had some phenomenal side-by-side racing, like, the whole time, which usually doesn't happen. So, that was great call by NASCAR to put it as the last race of the season, um, you know, regular season. But, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of shocked that Byron got the two-year extension um, compared to Bowman getting a one-year extension. That's a little interesting to me. But, you know, I'm sure Chad Canales had something to do with it, too. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the best crew chiefs in, in NASCAR. Like, he, he won so many times with Jimmy. Uh, but speaking of Jimmy, it's his last year. Uh, he doesn't make the playoffs. He finishes just outside. Matt Benedetto clinches the last spot. Our playoff field is set. Harvick, Hamlin, Kozlowski, Logano, Elliott, Truex, Blaney, Bowman, Byron, Austin Dillon, Cole Custer, Almarola, Boyer, Kyle Busch, and Kurt Busch. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Busch getting in without any wins. Uh, that's... 
He's kind of on the the cusp of not moving yep. on to the round of twelve. It, it's a little dangerous and in, in unknown territory for him. But Matt Matt Benedetto gets the last spot in the field. So let's let's kick it off with this. And and, and Ed, if if you if you feel okay, com- if you feel comfortable talking about this one, because I, I know it's you're kind of new to it. But we're entering NASCAR DFS playoff stage, and typically the strategy doesn't change all that much. However, with the starting order this year, because the playoff drivers are starting ahead of everyone else, Matt, how are we approaching the race this week uh, with all the playoff drivers? So, are you altering your strategy at all, if any? Um, not particularly. It does make it harder to find value, though, which is where DFS strategy kind of comes into this, because... Ordinarily, for the playoffs, they'd have the same qualifying that they normally run. So you're not guaranteed to see the playoff guys start in the top 16. But this year, no qualifying, no practice. So they said, hey, you know what? We're just going to start the playoff guys in the top 16 spots. And then everybody else will use that formula um, to determine where they're going to start based on you know where they finished last race, their owner point standings, and then fastest lap in that race. So, from a DFS perspective, it does give you some interesting values um, in terms of, you know, there are some playoff guys that are priced in the mid-tier and they're starting up front, and there are some non-playoff guys that are priced a little higher and they're starting further back. So, from that perspective, it does make it a little trickier to find value. But, yeah, strategy-wise, I'm I'm not so sure it's really going to change strategy this week. It might in a couple of weeks when we get Bristol as a cutoff race at night. That's going to be insane. Ed, you're new to this. Uh, what's your thought on this slate? You know, we'll, we'll do a little preview of the slate with, with Ed's breakdown. But, Ed, who are you liking for some value plays or, or guys that necessarily aren't in the playoffs that you might want to be targeting? Well, one guy I'm looking at, actually, is Tyler Reddick. He's been, you know, near the playoff pool almost all year. Great rookie. He was up for rookie of the year, I think, until, you know, it's probably going to Custer now because he, he won yeah. a race. So I'm looking at Reddick right now, where he's sitting, 7000 on DK, uh, 9700 on Fandle. I just like his value where he's sitting. He's going to get some, some spots up, and uh, he's probably my favorite of the value plays, as in like the mid-tier. Lower tier, oh, man, it's it like, like Matt it's said, tough. it's a tough week it's because tough. all the big guys are up front, and, and you know it's going to be dominator points, dominator points, dominator points, and what can you get from the value? Right. I mean, you could look at a Corey LaJoy like I do every week, and it's kind of <laughs> a, a hit or a miss. Um, I do think, you know, a sneaky one could be uh, Ryan Priest, who I also play every week. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be kind of a mid-tier to heavy owned. Maybe do a mid-tier only lineup and just kind of see how that works out for you. All right. So uh, when the season uh, restarted – I want to say it was about three months ago or three and a half months ago, back May in May. May 17th. Yeah, they restarted with Darlington. It was a very good DFS week uh, for us in the FA Nation. Uh, I believe the first race was really good, and then I think that second Darlington race kind of kicked off that that third-stage curse. Uh, yeah, for some of us. We, we had that third-stage curse going for, like, two months. We were like Clint Boyer in the summer swing last year. Like, it, it was that, not good. That's, that's been me all season. That's yeah, sure. it, it, was, it was a brutal run to, to restart the season without practice, and, and then you're like, you know, what the hell am I doing wrong? But uh, we're back. It's the playoffs. Uh, Matt, we're, we're at Darlington. It's the third race. I'm pretty sure people understand it's, it's, it's like a mile. It's like 1.33 miles. It's egg-shaped. 
It's a weird one. Uh, just go ahead and give us a brief track breakdown of what we're looking at with Darlington. Yeah, like Dan said, it's 1.33, 1.36 miles, kind of depending on how you want to measure it. Uh, it is egg-shaped, and, you know, if you go look at an aerial view, you will understand it. The turns three and four are a lot tighter than turns one and two. Uh, it eats tires pretty well. Tire wear will be a thing here, uh, not as bad as Atlanta, but I would say it's on par with, like, Chicagoland and Auto Club. So guys that can save tires over the long run will be uh, – you know, very successful here, a.k.a. Kevin Harvick. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this one, the other thing to pay attention to is this one is longer than the ones back in May. Because the ones back in May, because it was back-to-back, they ran about 100 fewer laps than they're going to uh, on Sunday night because we got 367 laps in this race. The stages are nice. 115, 115, and 137. So... Ooh. Um, so there's more laps led. There's more fastest laps. There's also more chances for guys to move up further in the field than there were, um, you know, in that first race, which was what, 400 miles, I think was the first race. And then the second race was in kilometers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of the key thing here is there's going to be a lot of laps led and a lot of fastest laps, um, on FanDuel, you're counting laps completed. So there's going to be quite a bit of those as well, but this is also a track where position differential can be your friend. There's been over the last five races here, an average of six drivers per race have moved up double digit spots. Hmm. So we're definitely paying attention to that as well. All right. And, uh, programming notes, obviously we're recording this late Thursday night. Uh, how's everything looking? I mean, I'll have Xfinity playbook, out saturday morning and truck playbook out sunday morning obviously everyone's here for the cup news so take it away uh yeah so the track breakdown is already out that's been out for a couple of hours uh at fantasy alarm there is an adjustment that i will make note of above it because for whatever reason even though ross chastain was basically known to be in the 77 all week they listed reed Sorensen in the entry list and then reed Sorensen got the qualifying spot and then after i published it Ross Chastain then got salaries on DK and FanDuel. So uh, I will make note of that. Um, he's starting in the same spot, 34th, as Reed Sorensen is. So you can, you know, just kind of swap them out in the track breakdown. Uh, early projections are already out on FA. I put those out um, basically the same time the track breakdown dropped. DFS rankings will be out on Friday. The Cup playbook will be out at some point Saturday. And example lineups will be out, you know, Sunday, probably late afternoon because it's a it's a night race. So we're going to wait until we have all of the news possible with guys going to the rear or whatever until we put those out. So uh, that's basically what it's looking like for the Cup Series this week. Good stuff, as always. Love it. If you haven't checked out Match Track Breakdown yet, do it. There's Tons a new of- table in there, too. It's week. it's always full of good information, you know, like don't sit around and wait for the playbook to come out just to see what drivers, you know, you should be building around, like check out the track breakdown, uh, learn more about the track, how drivers have performed here in the past, uh, get the fate of the week, uh, as well as the other good plays as well. With that, guys, shall we just start breaking down the field from a DFS perspective? Yeah, let's do it. Love it. All right. So we'll kind of... Uh, Last week, we we only broke down a handful of drivers, and by a handful of drivers, I mean pretty much everybody. 
Yeah, we did about uh, three quarters of the field last week. Yeah, even though we didn't really want to, we still kind of did it. But we'll we'll go back to breaking down by row. We'll talk up every driver. We'll start with front row. Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin. Uh, the first 16 drivers, again, are going to be the playoff field. Uh, Hamlin's on the pole. Hamlin's uh, on the outside. On the outside. This is kind of an interesting pairing because if memory serves correct – uh, Chase Elliott was in line to win the second Darlington race when Kyle Busch accidentally wrecked him uh, back in May. Hamlin goes on to win said race. Uh, Under very a interesting. Play. Yeah, so this is a very strange pairing, um, but we'll take it. Uh, a lot of potential here, and so like every, each guy is going to be heavily owned because like we're going to want to target laps led here. Yeah, we're definitely going to want to target laps led. Chase Elliott was definitely competing for the win late in that second race. I think he was crashed out uh, at, like, lap 201, and there was, like, 207 laps in that race. Um, and then Denny won it under, uh, I believe there was a rain delay that actually ended it because they'd already, they were basically four laps from finishing. Um I will make a, uh, you know, a note here. Historically speaking, the pole position doesn't, necessarily do that well here um in dfs uh compared to average um but the number two starting spot is typically the best for dfs scoring um based on the last five races here so you can take that for whatever it's worth you are gonna have to pay up for denny hamlin uh compared to chase elliott there's obviously a reason for that denny hamlin has been better than chase elliott this year uh he's also been better at darlington than chase elliott uh, typically is so I would probably lean Hamlin out of that grouping uh, for myself Ed who are you leaning with uh, regarding these two because Chase Elliott when he's not on a road course you know the last few races he's kind of been I don't want to say a pedestrian driver because I think that really kind of dis- discounts and insults his level of driving in the car that he's in but like he looked so so good to s- restart the year with Darlington and Charlotte and then Hendrick Motorsports kind of like fell into a wasteland a little bit. Are you leaning Hamlin as well? Yeah, you kind of have to. I mean, you got to look at the whole season as a whole. Hamlin's been dominant, you know. Yeah. And you look at Chase Elliott and you go, okay, road course driver, short track driver, all-star race. Other than that, the last couple of races um, hasn't looked that good, to be honest. And uh, always has been falling back a lot, starting one. Uh, you you got to like Hamlin as even for the 11-4, but if you're going to pay 10-6 for uh, Chase Elliott on DK, you might as well pay it for a driver we'll talk about later, too, as well. Uh, probably not wise to play these two in the same lineup. I know that might be, uh, nope. I guess, you know, kind of like saying water yeah, is de- yeah, wet, definitely but it's not. like, yeah. All right, because some people might entertain that idea. That's not uh, what I was saying. I was just saying. No, that. no, no, no. Yeah. I, I <laughs> sometimes with Xfinity, I try to get cute, and I'm like, well, you know, it's not, you know, smart to play the two guys on the front row together. But it's like, I definitely wouldn't do it this week. They're both too expensive, and neither. Yeah. You, you kind of have to pick one to really be the dominator between the two. Uh, we'll move to the next row. Very interesting pairing. A uh, pair of teammates here: William Byron and Alex Bowman. A couple of Hendrick cars, uh, starting three and four. Byron's coming off a win. This is such a high starting spot for Byron. It almost seems like an obvious fade because you feel like he can only go backwards from here. However, I do really like Bowman in GPPs here. Am, am I wrong to assume that? Nope, that's my read exactly. Byron was almost, almost the fade of the week this week in the track breakdown. Um, he just has not run well at Darlington at all. 
Um, you know, he does have one top 15 finish, but if you're starting third and you finish 15th, that doesn't really help you out very much at all. Um, the only thing I will say is that Byron might have the mojo going because he's coming off a win contract extension. Don't say that. But I'm not playing Byron. <laughs> I'm not going to play Byron. I would much rather play Bowman and GPPs um, because I just think this style of track is more in Bowman's wheelhouse. Um, I just flash back to Auto Club where he had a pretty good, you know, <laughs> better than a pretty good run. <laughs> he flat out dominated Auto Club uh, in that race, and that was a tire wear race too. So I'd probably lean Bowman of that grouping. How are you reading this one, Ed? I feel like it's probably going to be Bowman as well. Well, you know, like Kevin Bacon in, what is it, six degrees of Kevin Bacon? I like to play six degrees of Ryan Blaney. <laughs> William Byron is dating. Oh, yep. You don't even have to go six degrees. <laughs> right. Yeah. What? But with that being said, I like William Byron because of that reason. Just don't mess with with Ryan Blaney's sister, though, please. Um, Alex Bowman, you know, he does have success here in the last four races. He has been in the top five in one of them. Uh, William Byron, not so much, uh, I would take. But Bowman in a GPP by far over, over Byron in this one. All right. Fully agree. Uh, next row is actually a good one. Um, I really like one driver here. He's he's such a hard guy to read week in and week out, but this definitely feels like it could be a Brad Kislowski week. He's starting fifth. MTJ, Martin Truex Jr. starting sixth. Uh, MTJ is – he, I don't know why I'm even, like, starting with this, but, like, he's a very good short track racer. However, I'll take the pedigree this week uh, with Brad Kislowski. Uh, three top five finishes in his last four races at Darlington. Um, he's, he's, he's always just kind of a snake in the grass. He's, he's got the rabbits, but he just lucks into so many, you know, good spots in stage three. Um, and, and I feel like in just across the board with the industry, like he's, he's so hard to read and, you know, this, this, it, it feels like it could be a week where he could win and kind of break the slate. Ed, how do you feel about these two guys? Well, I'm going to say right now, uh, Brett Keselowski is literally the ultimate GPP play. Because like you just said, he's either going to win or he's just going to be nowhere to be found. Right. And he's done it to me so many times this year. When I don't play him, he wins the race or he gets second. And when I do play him, he ends up dropping 10 spots and you never hear from him again. It's, it's He's the ultimate GPP play. You should have a lineup with him <clears throat> if you're playing GPPs. <clears throat> the same could also be said about MTJ too, though. Because he's also been that type of guy who's always been a favorite. I got to play him, must in, and then all of a sudden he drops back. He's had car problems a lot uh, since the the restart as well. But you know what? Both of these guys can can win this race, and they're in my top ten. And I probably have lineups with both of them, but probably not stacked. Matt, how you feeling about it? Both are under ten k this week, but yeah. <laughs> Brad Keselowski is Brad Keselowski's less than nine k. I'm taking the price discount, yeah, that's and I'm going with Brad K. Um, <laughs> Can't believe I didn't not, lead with that. I apologize, Ed. Not saying that, that I'm not going to play Truex. <laughs> Obviously, Truex is basically always a play at an intermediate track. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to ignore. The other thing I'll toss in Keselowski's favor is he's got the second best driver rating. Uh, in the last four races here at 109.4. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, we'll touch, we'll touch on the guy who's leading the pack later, which isn't shouldn't be shocking to you. Um, but, yeah, the 109.4 driver <laughs> rating is, um, is really quite impressive. So I'm going to go with Brad. All right. Kind of agree. Uh, Keselowski over Truex this week. 
Um, I'm probably going to make 30 to 40 lineups, so I'll mix in both. But it, oh, Ed, here comes a fun. <laughs> here comes a fun row for you, Ed. Uh, Ryan Blaney, Kevin Harvick, next row. Uh, I'm going to kick this one to Ed because it does feature his favorite driver. Ed Ryan Blaney is 10,300 on DraftKings, 10,000 on FanDuel. Uh, he's your favorite driver. However, you didn't seem so optimistic before we started recording. Definitely not. This is not a good course for him. Uh, statistically, it n- never has been, really. Uh, he, In the last four, he hasn't even gotten past 10th. Um, so this is kind of a bad start for him. And he's going against Harvick in this row, too. And um, Har- Harvick, to me, is my favorite play of the week. Because, like I said, if you're going to pay 10-6 on DraftKings for Chase Elliott, pay the extra 300 for Kevin Harvick. He's been the race... The best racer all year. His car is dominating. And you also get, if he gets to the front and leads laps and wins, you also get the positional points too. So I love Blaney. He's my boy. Star Wars for life. But (laughs) Kevin Harvick is, I think, you must play in both GPP and cash of, of this week. Yeah, I tend to agree. Earlier this year, Blaney started inside the top seven in both races and finished outside the top 15 in both races. Um, so that's that's kind of tough to swallow there. Harvick, guy flat out dominated one of those races and then was, again, pretty decent in the second race. Not quite as good as we thought he would be. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to pay, why pay 10-6 for Chase Elliott when you can pay 10-9 for Harvick? and get the built-in position differential points. Uh, His average finish here over the last four races is 3.0. And by the way, over the last eight races at Darlington, Harvick's average finish is 3.6 with seven top five finishes. So uh, he does have the best driver rating in the field at 113.6, which is really quite impressive. And in case you're wondering, it's not like he started up front and finished up front. His position differential on average is almost 12 spots a race. So the guy is used to moving up. He's used to saving tires because let's not forget he also dominated Atlanta. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty hard to. Uh, I think you just got a sneak peek at my number one play in the rankings. <laughs> like, there's no reason you shouldn't play Kevin Harvick. All right, next line. Uh, the next couple lines are actually pretty interesting. Uh, Clint Boyer starting P nine. <laughs> Uh, he's uh, Clint Boyer starting ninth. Eric Almarillo starting tenth. Boyer is he's a gem in all regards. Uh, <laughs> he's he's so good in the booth. If you've had the opportunity to, opportunity to to watch an Xfinity race that he's called, uh, he's wildly entertaining. He's he's meant to be in the booth after his racing career is done, and that very well could be next year. Matt and I have talked about the the rumors about the f- future of the fourteen car. Um, but how do we feel about Clint Boyer this week? Um, he's not really making significant noise as far as moving forward in the playoffs. He qualified, which is great. He's on a big team and everything, but it's like, it's been like over two years since we've seen Clint win a race. How likely is it that we're going to be playing him this week for DFS starting P nine? I'm going to, I'm going to be light. Yeah. I'm going to be light too. I mean, I feel like you kind of just sprinkle him into a, if you're playing like, I don't know, 20, 30-plus lineups or whatever, then you sprinkle him into a few because it's Clint Boyer and you kind of never know what happens. Um, But, yeah, I'm not terribly infatuated with Boyer this week. He just doesn't run Darlington well. He never really has. Um, But Eric Amarola is intriguing to me, though. 
Um, guys run pretty well this year, uh, even when he starts up, you know, in the top 10, which he's had plenty of practice at, as we've gone over numerous yeah. times. Uh, he also got a contract extension, too, by the way. He is coming back to the number 10 car next year for Stuart Haas. Um, and he has a major spot, like Smithfield is sponsoring like 25 of the 36 races or something next year. So uh, he's pretty comfortable. I think he wants to make some noise. I would I would probably play Eric Amarola more than Boyer. And it's a pretty interesting line. Who are you leaning with here? Amarola, for sure. His car has looked faster since the restart, for yeah. sure. Uh, Boyer, to me, has just been kind of like, blah, just an average driver. I mean, he's a great driver overall in his career, right? But the last season, especially since the restart, is just always been kind of just mediocre and never really getting enough points to just put you over the edge. So The SHR cars in general have been pretty good since the restart. However, Boyer... I mean, he's not he's not snake bitten like he was last summer. However, it's just like he just he does not give you the finish that you nope. want for DFS. Correct. Yeah, um, you can make the argument he's been the worst SHR car since May. Huh? I mean, Harvick, Almirola, Boyer, and Custer. Yeah, you can make yeah, the that's, argument that's, that's that Boyer has yeah. been behind Custer. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, do you make that argument because Custer has a win? No, I made that argument because I think Custer's been more consistent than Boyer. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, I'll let you, t- I'll let you take that one only because I'm a little buzzed and. Uh... <laughs> hey, Custer's, I mean, not, Custer's not, win was I epic. I don't really have Custer's any numbers to. to yeah, make. Custer's win was epic. Taking it four wide with two to go on a restart yeah, at Kentucky is insane. It's awesome. Um, but I mean, I think you're splitting hairs. I'm not. Sh- I'm not saying like it's Custer by a mile, but I think you can make the argument that Custer has made more of his chances than Boyer has. Um, just look at like, you know, I'd be curious to just double check their their average finishes. I mean, just of late, um, Custer's at a 19.6, and Boyer is at a 12-2, but Custer's also starting further back, so he's moving up to get that, and Boyer's going backwards. So, um, Are we still buying the narrative that we see Kyle Larson in the 14 next year? Yes. I am more strongly on that than I was a couple of weeks ago, given the fact that Tony Stewart said NASCAR should get off their asses and reinstate Kyle Larson already. So he's going to bat for Larson Boyer, by the way, is like best friends with Larson. The two of them go on vacations like all the time. There's video of Larson, uh, Larson's wife and Clint Boyer shotgunning beers together uh, <laughs> on vacation earlier this year before I'm Larson got where you're going with that one, but good. Okay, shotgunning beers. Is yeah, just shotgunning <laughs> beers. The two of them are really good friends. Uh, Tony Stewart knows Kyle Larson from the dirt track scene, obviously. And Kyle Larson's Carter. dirt track resume this year since he's been insane. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's he's like raced he thirty-three races and won eighteen of them, and hasn't finished worse than sixth except it's for once. Unreal the run he's on with dirt racing. And they, I mean, he, I think he's only made like four hundred grand. I mean, that's more money than I'll probably make in like a while. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and then he got into a modified, and it was only a second modified race. And he won! Like, ever, and he won it, and it was against the best modified drivers in the world. So, guy is talented. SHR has been known for rehabbing, um, you know, folks' career. I mean, hell, they did it for Tony Stewart after he ran over the guy on the dirt track 
uh, a few years ago. Kurt Busch, too. Uh, yeah, they did it for Kurt Busch after that really bizarre incident at Dover with his now ex-wife. Um, you know, Boyer was kind of a guy that had been thrown aside and was on backwater teams until he got signed to um, SHR. SHR took a shot on Danica Patrick. So, like, there's a whole laundry list of reasons why I think Larson fits SHR, and I think he's there next year. And for what it's worth, um, you know, we're not trying to sweep under the rug what Larson did. Uh, but even Bubba Wallace has said repeatedly that Kyle Larson deserves another shot yeah. at the cup level. Yep. And in terms of sponsorship, Gene Haas could sponsor the 14 car. Correct. Like the co-owner of Stuart Haas Racing could sponsor it with his own personal company and not take a hit, and he'd be fine. Right. So, uh, But we'll move on to the next row. Uh, I'm going to throw it to Ed with this one. This is an interesting row. Uh, yes. We have Austin Dillon, Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, I typically don't play Matt DiBenedetto at mile and a half, but, I mean, he's a short track racer. This isn't necessarily the shortest of short tracks. It's an odd shape. Uh, it's, it's it's an egg for, for Christ's sake. Uh, but Matty D, he sneaks into the playoffs, and it's 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 a pretty intriguing starting spot in price for GPPs. Uh, what do you think of the Benedetto and Austin Dillon this week? I like Matty D for his price, 7400 on DraftKings, 94 on FanDuel. Where he's at, I mean, he could keep that value just by, you know, gaining a spot or two and, and just staying there. Oh, yeah. I actually – I play him an awful lot, actually, and I have, and I've actually won some money by playing him. He always just seems to stick his spots and kind of stay in, in the same spot and uh, for his price, and uh, he's been very valuable for me. Um, Austin Dillon, on the other hand, has been my – pet peeve because the one race where ryan blaney was not owned as well as <laughs> I, he won the first two stages and was gonna clearly the fastest car in the race win me a lot of money i was 15th in in the 100k on dk in the third stage he green flag pitted and then there was a caution and austin dylan ended up ruining that race and that's why Austin <laughs> Dillon here so I'm taking Maddie D. <laughs> I, I will also, I will, as, as much as it will pain my daughter, whose favorite driver is actually Austin Dillon. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I can't, I honestly can't figure out why her, like, it's just a random favorite driver. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go with Maddie D because I will make note. He does have two top tens here in the last four races. Both of those came in May. He finished ninth and 10th in the two May races. He started 12th in the second one, finished 10th, started 7th in the first, and finished 9th. So he can hold his value. He can finish in the top 10. I'll take Matty D over Austin Dillon. All right, we'll move on to the next row. Another intriguing pairing. Um, Matt, you and I don't really like to build around one of these guys. We've got Joey Logano starting uh, P13. Cole Custer starting 14th. Uh, I know you've got some thoughts on Custer. Really want to pick your brain on Logano. Um, you know, it's just we get a sense that his car, the setup, is never really going to be right. He won two races this year, but those both came with practice before the season had to shut down due to COVID. However, this seems like it could be a pretty good GPP spot for him. He's starting behind Harvick, Hamlin, Truex, Kislowski, you know, even Matty D. Like, he's... he's just seems to be a bit of a wallflower this week, and I and I don't want to discount a guy of his prowess necessarily. Yeah, um, I'll agree with that. I think the first Darlington race went better for him than the second one. He finished. Um, sorry, the second one went better for him than the first one. He finished sixth in the second one and finished eighteenth in the first one. Uh, 
Um, that being said about the setups, he does have four top tens in the last five races this season. So they kind of have figured something out. Um, and as a sneak peek, uh, Cole Custer is my fate of the week this week. Um, I don't, I don't really like, obviously he's only had two cup races here. They were both in May. They both didn't go very well for him. Um, but it more so comes down to a value for him because for him to hit value at 7,600 means he needs a top 10 finish. And I don't see him doing that in the last 10 races this year. He has started in the teens six times. He's gone backwards all but once in those six races. So I I don't know that Cole Custer has the momentum going the way we want it to. So I'll go with Logano over Cole Custer. Ed, what do you think about this line? (sighs) I'm with Matt on the Cole Custer thing. Um, A rookie going to the playoffs, a lot of pressure. Um, first time hasn't been good at the course, not, you know, for 7,600 degree. I don't think, especially with the next line behind him, uh, which we'll talk about later coming from behind him is kind of rough. And then I've never been a big Joey Logano fan, to be honest. Um, all see, I mean, all season since I started playing, um, I mean, he, he's always high priced and he never really seems to Get it for me. But I'm mostly a GPP player. I think in a cash game, Joey Logano may be great this week. But I think in a, a GPP, you want to <clears throat> stay away from him. All right. Next line is a special line. Uh, brothers. Bush line. Uh, a couple brothers starting next to each other. Kyle Bush starting P15. Kurt Bush starting P16 right next to each other. It's just been such a weird year. Like, neither of these guys want to race. Both present PD here. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm Kyle, with you. Kyle I'm, Bush, I'm... Just, he just needs practice and all that stuff. And, you know, he's not running the Xfinity race. For the, for what it's worth, Denny Hamlin is running the Xfinity race the day before. Um, Have fun fitting him in your lineups. It can be done. It can be done. He's 16 grand. It can be done. <laughs> just wait for my playbook. Um, <laughs> just, but it's like, it's the Bush line, last row. Uh, the these are the line. last two of the uh, the playoff drivers, and then I kind of want to take a brief break just so we can talk about you know playoff drivers and strategy and, and and all that nonsense. But you know, obviously, I know Kyle Busch is the play here. We talk about Kurt Busch a lot and how he's 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 not sexy, but he's got teeth. This seems also like a really good spot to play Kurt Busch as well. Like it, it's a good spot to play both. However, Kurt Busch you know can really pay off a price tag with just by moving up you know enough spots to finish in like the top seven or eight. Yeah, I mean, on DK, I think the play for me, I'm leaning Kurt Busch on DK, but on FanDuel, I would go with Kyle Busch because the price difference is almost negligible on FanDuel between the two of them. Because um, to quote Kyle Busch's post-race or post-crash uh, interview last week, it's still 2020. Um, so I, I think that's a bugaboo for, for Kyle Busch. Even though they previously raced on it twice this year, which I guess counts as, you know, de facto practice there for Kyle Busch. Um, you know, he did he did finish second in the second race, and he had a an okay day um in in the first race. It was it didn't I mean he got caught early in a bad spot and then just couldn't make up for it. So if you're banking on the second race from Kyle Busch, then okay, I get it. But I'm I'm still not like 
He's not a cash game play for me. He's a GPP play for me. But he is a nice value, though. He's almost two grand cheaper than he was here in May uh, on DK. So, uh, Ed, Kyle Bush has been a pretty big pain in the ass yep. uh, for DFS this year. How are you approaching him this week? I have Kyle Bush as my number two driver behind Harvick, actually. And then Kurt, too, is is up there as well. Here's why. Bob Marley had a great song. It was called Redemption Song, right? <laughs> All year, he's not going to win a race. He hasn't won a race. This is his race. He, I think he's going to come out hot. He's playing from the back in the playoff field. His brother's behind him to help him push, to help him race with him. I think both of them are actually good plays, but I think I would do a Kyle Bush and Harvick stack maybe one and two when this is all said and done. That's what I'm saying. All right. So those are the 16 drivers in the playoff field. Matt, you probably know more than anybody else about the actual like playoff point standings and everything. Obviously, guys like Benedetto, the Bush brothers, uh, Boyer, Almarola, Custer, Austin Dillon, Byron, and Bowman, they don't seem as likely to be locks for – to move on to the round of 12. So how comfortable are the guys like Harvick, Hamlin, Kislowski, Logano? Like, obviously we still assume that they go out to win in the, I think, sorry, in the first round of last year's playoffs, you know, Truex went out and he won one race, but then he went out and he won another. So it's like, you know, guys aren't just going right. to like, if, if they feel comfortable, they're not just going to like skate by, like they're going to go out and win. But, you know, should we expect the guys that only have about 2,010 points or less? Because, like, if you look at the standings, Benedetto is in 16th with 2,000 points and Bowman's in 8th with 2,009. So there's 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 not a lot of points between these guys. So it's like how aggressive are these guys that are kind of in the back half of the playoff field? How, how aggressive can we expect them to be? So I think it's going to come down to what races are coming up. So we've got Richmond – and then we've got Bristol left in the first round. So the first round finishes with two short tracks. If you're Kyle Bush and Bristol is looming, <clears throat> like you can you can kind of just bank it on Bristol almost because he's been so good at Bristol. Um, same with Kurt Bush, the Bush brothers practically own. I mean, in the, for the all-star race, I started calling it Bushdol instead of Bristol because they <laughs> they basically own the track. Um, that being said, there was the thing last year with Martin Truex Jr. going out and winning the first two races of the playoffs. And, you know, if you win, you automatically clinch your spot in the next round, right? So if whoever wins uh, Darlington, if they're a playoff driver, they automatically clinch their spot into the round of 12. Guys like Harvick and Hamlin can probably coast until the round of eight. They have that many points built up. And so you get bonus points throughout the season, by the way. If you win stages during, um, you know, each stage you win gets you one bonus point to carry through the playoffs. Uh, and every time you win a race, you get five bonus points for the playoffs. So that's kind of how you rack up bonus points. So guys like Kyle Busch and William Byron and... Uh, Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman, who didn't really win a whole lot of stages and didn't necessarily win races, are kind of in a tricky spot here. So um, I think depending on the driver, they might think this is their safest shot uh, to try to <clears throat> really up their standing in the playoffs. Um, if you're a guy like 
Austin Dillon, this is probably your safest bet in the first round to try to punch your way through the round of 12 because he's historically sense, not great at Richmond or Bristol. If you're Matty D, you got two short tracks coming up. You nearly won Bristol last year, uh, and you were clearly the fan favorite because Denny Hamlin won it and then had to apologize for winning the race. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was good. Sorry, <laughs> so good. I mean, if you're true X, you've dominated short tracks now the last few times you won it so it just kind of i guess depends on the driver if you're byron or bowman i would expect them to be pretty uh pretty aggressive in this race all right that's the playoff field we'll move on to row nine interesting pair of gpp plays here and i'm gonna throw this one to you we've got bubba wallace starting p17 john hunter nema wreck at p18 Uh, this is far too high. And I'm a guy that likes to get a little exposure to John Hunter Nemechek every week. And every week, I'm just burning money. This is too high for me. Yep. Um, man, I really want to play, play Bubba. I was really pulling for him last week. I felt like he had an honest shot at winning Daytona, uh, especially in the closing laps. It pisses me off that people are blaming Bubba for Jimmy Johnson missing the playoffs. Uh, screw those people. They're just idiots and dumb people, and they clearly weren't yeah, watching this. JJ game. missed Charlotte and Indy. You can't yeah. miss two out of 26. He didn't miss races. Charlotte. He got DQ'd from Charlotte. Right, he got DQ'd from Charlotte and then missed Indy. You can't get zero points in two races and then make the playoffs. It doesn't happen. Yeah. But, Ed, what do you think of these two guys this week? Uh, it's it's so hard to play Nemechek, but Bubba's so tempting. Bubba's very tempting, and he's been tempting for like the last four weeks, and I've played him. <laughs> Every week in my GPPs, and, uh, you know, he's, again, in the same kind of spot he has been uh, in that 6,000 range in both sites, uh, and kind of, like, really tempting because he has the car, he has the team, he can definitely get some positional points, and, you know, but at the same time, you, you got to wonder, is he kind of coasting through this season, too? Especially now, he already got his contract, he's kind of just got it all, like all of his sponsors, is he trying to win? Or trying to go up there, so he kind of scares me a little bit. But Nemarek is Nemarek, and he's your <laughs> ultimate GPP play. But at sixty-two hundred and fifty-five hundred, pretty tempting. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't need much to hold value at those right. price tags. But until he and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. switch bodies, uh, I don't know that I can. <laughs> I don't know. More, that I can more on him later. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, Bubba Wallace, this is too high of a starting spot for him, I feel like. And, I mean, you know me. I've been on the Bubba train, like, basically all year. But it just seems like it's a bit too high of a starting spot for for me. Because I just – I honestly don't – unless something happens to those 16 guys in front of him, I don't know that he's easily going to be passing most of them – much of the night. So I'm probably out on this row, but I might sprinkle in a little bit of Bubba Wallace in like one lineup out of like 15. Real quick, and I feel so bad that we didn't mention this before, but Darlington, this the this, this race is the throwback race to old yes. designs. Yes. Have you guys seen awesome. any designs that you really like this week? Austin Dillon's. Austin Dillon's. Austin Dillon has a great design. Has the best <laughs> As throwing back to Junior Johnson's American ethanol scheme, it's phenomenal. Uh, Dan and I are split on the Jimmy Johnson I hate it. scheme. Yeah, I, hate I don't like Jimmy it. Johnson's I don't like it. Scheme. Yeah, I think it's. And by the way, by the way, just so you're aware, 
the other three Hendrick guys are throwing it back to Jimmy Johnson's old paint schemes that he won championships in. So they're going to be variations of the Lowe's paint schemes from the mid 2000s. Um, who uh, the Ross Chastain The Ross Chastain one is pretty sweet. We'll get to um, in a little bit. It's a one-off. Like Dale Senior drove that paint scheme once in the mid 70s, and now Dale Junior is the sponsor on that car. Uh, and it's a pretty. It's got gold leaf numbers, which are unusual to say the least. For NASCAR, so that one looks pretty sweet. Um, but no, Austin Dillon's to me is is yeah, it is the is easily the best. Uh, if you're watching Xfinity, do check out Daniel Hemrick's ride this week. I know I'm a bit of a homer. I've been pulling yeah, for him. Sweet. Yeah, Hemrick's Hemrick's car design is pretty sweet this weekend. Uh, but we'll move on to the next row, row ten. Uh, it's really high, but Michael McDowell starting P19. Uh, you really hate that starting spot since we like him when he's starting outside, like the top. 28 uh but chris busher matt i'm gonna throw this one to you uh you had busher listed in the track breakdown he's starting p20 alongside michael mcdowell how do you feel about these guys but elaborate a little more on chris busher because i know you do like him this week i think busher can be the contrarian play of the week i really think people are going to be off of him because he's starting 20th and people don't typically like busher starting that high except the fact that he's got two top 15s here in the last uh four races he looked good here in May. He did run, you know, he picked up some position differential uh, in uh, one of those races. So he did look good. He's been running pretty decently of late. Um, you know, his average finish is, is pretty respectable in the last five races this year at 12.8. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Busher this week. At $5,700 on DK, it's not like he has to do basically anything to hit value. Um, McDowell, I, I think we can kind of just look past McDowell. That's a starting spot that's too high for him. But I do like Busher, and I don't think a lot of people are going to like him starting 20th with some guys that are starting behind him. Man, I play Busher when he starts 13th. I'm not afraid to play him when he's starting 20th. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> Uh, next row, we've got a couple chalky plays. Uh, Christopher Bell was a PD gem for so long just because he was getting screwed in owner's points. Uh, but Jimmy Johnson in the 48, he's starting P22. Ed, are you playing both these guys? You kind of have to, especially Johnson, I feel, right? Yeah, Johnson's going to be a – I think Johnson's a safe cash game play. Um, mm -hmm. And Bell probably as well, too. I mean, 69. I mean, there was a while where he was like 10,000 every this race. a nice play of the week. Yeah, and so yeah. It, you kind of feel like nice. for sixty nine hundred, he's going to get his value. He's nice. going to hit it. Yeah, so I'm saying play both. Matt, what are your thoughts? Uh, I just love that Egg kept going and missed those <laughs> nice calls for Dan. What I, I miss? <laughs> he's sixty nine hundred, so he's Dan's nice play of the nice play. Oh, of the week. <laughs> over my head, right over my head, guys. Sorry, <laughs> first time twice. on the podcast. You missed it twice, which is hilarious. Oh, um, yeah, I'll probably play a bit more Bell than than JJ. I mean, it pains me. It, Wait, it really? does pain. Yeah, I mean the price. JJ? The I mean, price I guess, savings. Like, I got the price tag and everything, but I just like at this point. Also, Darlington hasn't been great for JJ. In like. 
recently. I mean, I know he's run better this year than he has in previous years. But song, Matt. Yeah, I'm aware, <laughs> but he also spun out here in May when he was leading. So I understand that there's a $1,500 discount, and and but I, from you, the biggest JJ fan there is. Yeah, I mean, I'll still play him, but I'm I'm probably higher on Bell than I am on JJ. All right, I'm a little speechless. I'm just gonna stumble into this next row. <laughs> Brennan Poole. <laughs> Nobody's gonna play him. Nope. Uh, Tyler Reddick. Person that wins, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Brennan Poole, P23. He's gonna have about 0.7 percent ownership if you really want. I mean, to he's he's 4,500 dollars on DK and three grand on Fanduel. So yeah, yeah, somebody's gonna plug him in to go get somebody's one gonna, other. Somebody's uh, gonna make a Chase. Harvick, Kyle Bushdack, and then be forced to play Brennan yeah, Poole. And then the, and they're just going to hope that Brennan Poole just doesn't get lapped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, Ed, how do you feel about Tyler Reddick? You talked him up early on, but I mean, it's it's a really good spot for Reddick. Great spot. And it's 7,000 too and 9,000 on FanDuel. Uh, I think it's the perfect spot. I think it's going to be highly owned, though. I think it's uh, you're gonna have, you're gonna yep. be battling with everybody else, especially in GPPs who are, are seeing the same thing that we're seeing. Like I said, I'm new to this, and I can see it. He's in a great spot. He's had a fast car all year, um, you know, and he kind of has redemption too. Like he missed out on the playoffs. He was rookie of the year candidate, and you know what? That gets into a driver's head. They want to show people, hey, I'm still here. Remember me. And starting that low, I think you're guaranteed some point differential for sure. And I think the value is there. I, he's a must play for me. Yep. Matt, he gets a lot of comparison to Kyle Larson. And this this isn't one of those tracks that, you know, Larson – did Larson ever win here? Um, I don't believe so. Don't but believe he, so. Ran, but he ran – right? he's run pretty well here because – oh, no. Um, yeah, no, and uh, he finished third uh, a few years ago. Started second, finished third. Had 284 laps led out of 367. So, yes, he leads so a bunch is, of laps. <laughs> right. And this is one of those tracks where you can run along the wall, generate yeah. speed coming out of the corners. So, And that that's what Tyler Reddick loves to do. We saw him doing it, do it at Miami. Uh, he almost fell out of the top five because he thought the race was over with one lap to go. Uh, so <laughs> as long as Reddick is aware of how many laps he has left to run, <laughs> Yep. He's going to be a great play. It's kind of a big thing there, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden you're watching the timing line, and all of a sudden you went from one second just, back to just four takes and a half. He starts going backwards. Starts like, doing spin. Uh, all right, next line we've got um, interesting plays here. Ty Dillon's in P25. This is normally a spot I really like playing Ty Dillon. I don't think that's it this week. Uh, Matt Kenseth is, uh, I think he's just waiting for the season to end so he can yeah. go back to retirement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Aside from Indy and the, fr- and actually, he looked good in the first Darlington race yeah, he when did. the season started. So starting P26, kind of intriguing to play a little Kenseth. I'm not going to play much of Ty Dillon, but I kind of just talked myself into Matt Kenseth. Matt or Ed, talk me out of Matt Kenseth or just. Tell me to go full full ride on Matt Kenseth. Well, here's the question. Which Kenseth is going to show up? The guy that showed up and nabbed a top 10 in the first race or the guy that absolutely could not drive a car in the second race because he started 11th and finished 30th? Like, which Kenseth is going to show up? Ty Dillon, on the other hand, guy's got three top 20 finishes. He's starting, you know, in the mid-20s. I think he's good for a handful of position differential points. 
Um, that price tag, you're going to need some guys down in that range to go, you know, bail you out and save salary. So I will probably sprinkle in a little bit of Kenseth and hope for that first race Kenseth as opposed to the rest of the season Kenseth. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I'll have more Ty Dillon. Ed, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I actually love Ty Dillon. I've actually won quite a bit of money playing him. He's always in the same spot. It seems like he's in it again, 6000 and 4500 on Fandle. That's crazy. Yep. There's some narrative tie this week, too. <laughs> because isn't Jermaine Racing, like, rumored to be up for sale? Yes. Yes, exactly. Jermaine Racing does not have a sponsorship for next year at this point, and there's some talk that they might sell it, and Ty Dillon has – He's previously actually turned down deals from bigger teams mm-hmm. to stay at Jermaine Racing and help it and help it grow. So there is a little bit of narrative street going with. Uh, so Ty is it Dillon. possible that we just see all or nothing with Ty Dillon for the next yeah, couple I, I months? Think. Yeah, he's also expecting a child too. By the way. Uh, oh, and we saw we saw what the baby we saw what the baby did for, for Austin Dillon. So. Yes, we did. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Ty Dillon's got a couple of narratives going on here. Oh, you have like a baby, him. you win yeah. a race, you go and make another baby. That's yeah, that's why they have so many babies in NASCAR, I guess. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next row is uh, is a driver that you know Ed likes to target a little bit. Uh, Corey LaJoy oh. starting P27, <laughs> Daniel Suarez starting P20. It, it was an awful start for Suarez this season, but he's come yeah. around, he's been a pretty solid PD play of late, but that's when he's starting like 37th. Uh, he's starting up in 28th right now, but this is still a pretty good spot for both guys to get PD as long as they just don't get lapped. Uh, Ed, how do you feel? You, you going back to the well with LaJoy this week? You know what? I have to survive, and to survive, i got to drink water, so i got to go back to the well, right? You're all right. For yeah. LaJoy, I keep on playing him, and I've won a few times uh, early on in the season, and I have keep on going back. It's been a while, but you can't argue with the – 5,300 and the 5,800 for Suarez, too. I've also been a Suarez truther, but, yeah, he is a, a little high than where he he has been. Um, but LaJoy, I mean, he keeps he keeps his value. It seems like almost every week if, if he doesn't crash or get lapped twice. But for the most part, LaJoy has been a huge money saver for me. This hasn't been the best track for him. So I'm a little off of him, but I got to play him in a few lineups only because he's won me money in the past. So before I throw it to Matt, here's what I'm going to say about LaJoy, is that there aren't many guys that I want to start outside the top 30. I typically, when I'm building lineups, I don't really like dipping down that low. And what I like about LaJoy is that when I play LaJoy, when he's sub 6K and he's about 5,500, 5,300, I just want him to move up about five spots. Because if he can just, if he can just like kind of flirt with 5x value if you pair him with with the right dominator or dominators you know like he's going to hold his own and the dominators will collect more value um i know i know matt does like to take a few more risks but for me it's almost like lejoy is about as cheap as i want to go this week everybody else joey gase jj yaley balicki davison timmy hill i love timmy hill as long as he's not in the cup race or not or, or he's racing at bristol <laughs> yeah um, i like him when he's in front of a computer <laughs> uh but i feel like lejoy is, is the cutoff point for me this week i don't really want to go to anybody that. else yeah i mean i get your point with lejoy uh and to your point he's hit value in well at least the last two races because he's put up double 29s the last two races <laughs> um and then he's hit value, you know, he had a 36-point showing 
um, you know, a few weeks back, 34. He put up 49 points at the O'Reilly Auto Parts 500, which would have been, what, Texas, I believe. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't fault you there on Corey LaJoy. I am myself a Daniel Suarez truther. Um, I still think I still think he actually gets a little bit more position differential than LaJoy does, but I'm, I'm fine with either guy. All right. I love this. Uh, normally, around this point in the podcast, Matt and I would be just rapid-firing through the last few Yeah, the problem, is we, got three <laughs> the problem is, is we have three engine. We, we can't really do that this week. Uh, row 15, starting P29 is Ricky Stenhouse Jr., priced a little high on DraftKings. I have not. I, I, I don't look at, look at his FanDuel price. price. Oh my god! All right, let's see. Fifty-five hundred. Intimidate. Is he really fifty-five hundred? <laughs> yes. A week after he was twelve thousand on for Daytona. <laughs> yes, he's fifty-five hundred. <laughs> they're so stupid. I don't know what the hell they do over there. Either. Their scoring yeah. is su- their eye racing score was better than their actual racing scoring. Yeah, because Eric Jones is five grand more starting one spot behind Ricky Stenhouse Jr. on FanDuel. All right, so this is this is going to be a fantastic line. Well, I, not so much for Stenhouse because everyone knows that in the in the first race back for Darlington on lap one, Ricky Stenhouse could not have possibly been more on brand. Uh, coming out of turn two, he wrecks instantly and ends his day. Um, Great. <laughs> However, Stenhouse starting P29, Eric Jones starting P30. J- Jones is going to be chalk this week yes. because his – and what we've seen from DraftKings lately is like they'll price up the guys with PD, but they did not do that this week with Eric Jones. I don't know why. I don't get their algorithm. He's only 9,600 starting P30. That's obvious chalk. If I'm – I'm thinking I'm going to make 40 lineups for this race. However, I kind of want to be lighter on the field. For Eric Jones this week. Okay. And hoping that we just see more bad luck with Eric Jones. All right. I mean, he's got an average finish here of five and a half in his last four. Yeah. And in the last five, and in his five races here, he's got an average finish of 5.4. And by the way, he won the Southern 500 last year. Um, he also still doesn't have a ride, so he's still pushing for that. Um, starting 30th, he's less than 10K. I don't know how you get more played than Eric Jones. I honestly don't. He's going to be the highest played guy on. Well, he's obviously playing cash, but if I'm in GPPs and I'm making forty laps, I think I just want to keep exposure to. I think I might just keep it to like six lineups and just keep exposure at fifteen percent. I mean, I could see that strategy kind of fade the field on him on yeah. GPPs. Exactly. Um, and I'm I know more into him. He want to eat the chalk, but I yes. think this week. I've and I know he's got a good history here. However, I've also seen some pretty bad luck with him this year. Yeah, and I I kind of just I'm just gonna I'm gonna zig when everybody zags. I can see that, but for cash, he's a plug and play cash game lock. It's not even there's not even a question. Ed, what do you think about Eric Jones this week <laughs> and uh, Ricky Stenhouse? I'd love to get your thoughts on Stenhouse. <laughs> Eric Jones, I mean, yeah, he's going to be probably the top owned player on a. Yeah. Both sides. I mean, he's just in a great spot. Like Matt said, he's pl- he's pretty much racing for a car next year, right? So he has to show what he's made of, and he's starting so far back, and he's a top twenty driver. Uh, pretty much chalk all around the board. I'll have a lot of exposure to him in both GPP and cash. 
Uh, Recky Ricky, um, if you're on DraftKings and you pay $9,200 for him, nope. you're high. You're high. You're, <laughs> you're straight up high. He's going to yeah, crash. You just go up 400 bucks for Jones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. But on FanDuel, on FanDuel, if you don't play him, you're an idiot. So they, therefore, there you, there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that, there, there's my first timer take on that line right there. <laughs> it's pretty solid. Uh, <laughs> we'll move to the next line, row sixteen. Uh, before we head to rapid fire, Ryan Newman. I actually, I'm not gonna lie, I completely glossed over Ryan Newman and Quinn Hoff. Uh, Ryan Newman's P31. Quinn Hoff is P32. Nobody's playing Quinn Hoff. Um, I can't even Ryan, get road without causing an accident. <laughs> right. Uh, I completely glossed over Ryan Newman. I thought, you know, P31, maybe if he, if he finishes top 25, 24, 22, he could be a good play. However, I then went and read uh, Matt's track breakdown, and Ryan Newman actually has a really good history here. Starting P31, he should – I think ownership is going to be lighter than it should be for Ryan Newman. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, he finished top 15 here in both races in May. Yeah. Um, in the last eight races at Darlington, he's finished top 15 or better six times. Um, yeah, there's just way too much position upside for Newman to be at that price. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be – I can imagine the core for cash is probably going to be Ryan Newman, Eric Jones, and Kevin Harvick and figure the rest out. Like, I mean – you got a, a guy that uh, they're all priced too low this week, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ryan Newman's this week. Ed, Ryan Newman fan? Yay, nay? I mean, I like Ryan Newman. He's a very likable person. But to me, he's kind, he's kind of reminds me a lot like Clint Boyer, just kind of, eh, he's kind of there. But this week, he's not really there because he's actually in a really good spot. He, like... You guys are saying he has a great history at this course, right? And he's starting so far back. I mean, for 7,200 and 7,500, it seems like a good, I would say, cash game play, to be honest, because you're going to get the value back. GPP, too, even if you want to just, because of the low ownership, just to throw him in a, a couple lineups, I'll probably have him in some of mine. He's also pissed from Daytona, and an angry Ryan Newman makes him harder to pass. That is true. Which is also a good trait to have here. Yeah, I guess. And the last couple of guys I'll tell us out there, Ryan Chastain and J.J. Yaley. I like both of them. If you're going to dumpster dive, um, I'd go with both of them. Ryan Priest, eh, I don't know. Can the dude stay on the track? Like, Wait, is Ross Chastain in the 77 for Reed Sorensen? Yes, Reed Sorensen oh, not in. Sorry, in, I'm looking at an old starting lineup. My bad. Yeah, no, you're fine. Uh, Ross Chastain is, is in the 77. Um He's actually done okay here. Um, you know, he's got not no notable finishes, but his average finish is 28th, which gives you kind of, you know, five, six position differential points there. Uh, J.J. Yaley, his average finish is like 29th. <clears throat> he's starting pretty far back. Um, so if you're dumpster diving, those guys are in play. If you're not dumpster diving, you don't have to worry about Ross Chastain or J.J. Yaley. Ed, you're pretty on board with Ryan Priest this week, right? Yeah, Ryan Priest is kind of like a staple of my GPP lineups only because he's a hit or miss guy, the miss as in crashing. So, but I mean, he, he does, I mean, average, you know, his last three races, he's been, you know, average finish has been 27. So 
where he's starting, you could get value from him and just hope that your top guys, you know, get one, two, three, and four and get some money there. So, all right. Uh, really good stuff, guys. Uh, Matt or Ed, I'm not sure if either of you have kind of like final thoughts on the matter, but I uh, thought this was a pretty thorough and one of our more entertaining breakdowns of a race. <laughs> it certainly was entertaining, yes. Um, no, I, I don't really have any final thoughts. The weather doesn't look too bad there in um, Darlington this weekend. It is a night race. It's a Sunday night race. Um, so just make sure you're aware of that when getting ready to set stuff. And you know, It's one of the best races to watch every year. Like the, the throwback yeah. schemes are so cool. And a lot of the pit crew guys have throwback um, schemes going on their right. fire oh, suits too. Cool. cool. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, a pretty a pretty fun watch. It can get a little tough to figure out exactly who's in what car because they are throwback schemes. So it kind of tests how well you know your numbers for NASCAR. Um, but yeah, it's it's a pretty good it's a pretty good watch. All right. Well, Ed, uh, I know it was your first appearance. Uh, you did awesome. So thank you oh, very thank much you for guys. coming yeah. on. Uh, but he's uh, Matt and uh, Ed. Thanks once again. I'm Dan. Uh, best of luck to you, the FA Nation, and uh, Matt. Best of luck to you as well. Best of luck, FA Nation. Go Ryan Blaney. <laughs>